and welcome to the Massive Attack Podcast. This is episode 126. I am your host, Mitch, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Joe. How are you? Hey, Mitch. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And this is, in this year of our Lord 2021, we're doing the A to Zs, and we are up to the letter M. Now, every week it's apparently the middle of the alphabet, so we'll go with that again. And It is officially M- the middle of the alphabet today. Oh, it is? Okay, you've checked, have you? You fact-checked that? Yes. Gone to Letter Snokes? 13. Okay. Yes. Yes. So it's time to put on makeup. It's time to light the lights. It's time to get things started, because we're talking about The Muppet Show tonight. That's right, baby. M is for The Muppet Show. Not Muppets in general. We'll talk about them a bit, but that's too big for this... This show cannot handle all the Muppets, just the Muppet Show. So we thought we would go specifically just the Muppet Show. So the original series that ran from 1976 to 81. Yep. So it ran for five seasons, quite a lot of episodes. And yeah, so I can remember watching this a lot when I was a kid. It was a Friday night staple here for me. That's my memory of it. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what night I used to watch it, but I definitely used to watch it. And looking back at it now, because from February this year, Disney Plus has released all, the, all but a couple of episodes in those first seasons. For some reason, the episode with Brooke Shields and there's another one with a dude called Chris Langham that hasn't been released as part of Disney Plus. I don't know why. I couldn't find it. I think it's the orgy scene. That's why. Well, I thought maybe it was something to do with Blue Lagoon. And that just wasn't appropriate for Disney, but they have actually released them. Well, it wasn't appropriate then. Well, yes. Well, well, we'll get to that because they have released them on Disney Plus with a disclaimer at the start saying that these were from another time and things were culturally different in the 70s when it was made and some of it may not be culturally appropriate now. Mm-hmm. And my God, they're right with a couple of oh, the episodes. Okay. But when I was a kid, I used to watch this. I used to think it was a kid show because it was puppets. Yep. I probably didn't know most of the guest stars from when I was a child. Obviously, there were some people on there that I did know. So I was quite a fan of the Star Wars episode when I was younger. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a list of people that looking back now, I obviously know who they are, but I don't think I would have known them when I was that young. So yeah. But the concept of the show, if you've never seen The Muppet Show, is it's a vaudeville variety sort of act populated with Muppets. And a human guest star that pops up in a couple of skits over the course of the half-hour episode. Well, I suppose let's do a quick history of the Muppets, not a full-blown one, but the Muppets are puppets created by Jim Henson and his company. Yep. And they were made back in 19... Was it 55 or 65 was their first appearance? Well, I, I don't know if they were officially called Muppets back in the 50s, but um, I, I think it probably wasn't until around the 60s where they first got called Muppets as such. Yeah, so he did sections in TV shows and commercials and things like that with his felt and googly eyes sort of puppets, the type of yep. puppets that he, he would do. He tried a few times at making TV shows. He got involved. I didn't realise doing the research for this. He was invited to be part of Sesame Street. I thought he created Sesame Street, but because I look at Muppets as synonymous with Sesame Street, but no, he was. Yeah, they're kind of intertwined, but no, he was just like one of the acts that were part of Sesame Street. Yeah, so he made a kid's show and he tried to make, or he tried other ideas and. He was actually did sections with his Muppets on a um, 
Saturday Night Live, the first season of Saturday Night Live. And only, okay, only the that. first season. Yeah, and um, just creative differences with Lorne Michaels. And this was the year before The Muppet Show came out. So I think he learnt a lot on doing a, var- okay. a weekly variety show with a guest host each week. I don't know where that hmm. idea came from. Yeah, so that's that sort of happened there. And he tried a couple of pilots. And there was, oh, I don't know if they were pilots or specials. And it was The Muppets Sex and Violence as one of the shows. So he actually wanted to make a adult contemporary sort of show with Muppets to sort of just differentiate right. himself from the Sesame Street things. Yeah, and that's when The Muppet Show was born, out of that. So the... Hmm. And, and I just think, oh, yeah, Muppets are Muppets because I've grown up and there's always been Muppets. And it's just a type of puppet. But it's actually not not quite innovative, but they are his style. Like there was marionettes and there was like your typical Jerry G style. Um, like ventriloquist dummy type thing. Yeah, those sort of things. So they're the sort of puppets I'm used to where, yeah. I don't know, maybe this Muppet thing's innovative that he came up with. It's just they've always been around and they've always been there. But maybe his style and coming up with it, I know the designs with the eyes, they're always cross-eyed because it gives a focal point. Like there's so much thought that's gone into the design of these sort of things. And if you've seen Kermit the Frog or anyone like that, have you seen – there was the shows they did with um, Kermit almost like your Bill Cosby show where he would talk to children. I think Steve Harvey does it now where it just – Yep. Kids t- talking to Kermit and just this banter, like natural banter that comes off. And not yep. once. I know it's felt. I know it's a dude's hand in a puppet. But I never for a second question that character. No. It's sort of like, yeah, that's Kermit. And I take it on board that that is a character. And I know when you look at puppetry like David Straussman, he has an amazing knack. And now he's a proper ventriloquist, not a puppeteer. So he's got a ventriloquist dummy. He is on stage communicating with a puppet, yep. talking back and forth. And he's got the character Chucky. And that character is an asshole. But you do not associate the character with the ventriloquist. You think Dave Straussman is not. No, but that you Chucky think he's is a separate asshole. character. It's like, mm. hang on, no, but it's that guy saying everything. But you still take yourself away. But yeah, I have no question any point that that's not Kermit. That's Kermit they're talking to that kid. It's not Jim Henson underneath having a chat. And it's just so bizarre how they are not real. There's no uncanny valley that they're trying to be real, yet they are so rich in character. And I think pulling back the curtain, the way they're actually done is the puppeteers are kind of in trenches in the floor, aren't they? And then they're holding the Muppets up. Yeah, exactly. Either the stages are raised or they're they're lower, but they're kind of underneath holding them up. And the human guest star is just standing on the stage as normal. Mm -hmm. And what gets me is the fact that a lot of these stars, again, interact with these characters like they're just characters, not that they're puppets, not that they're, you know, inanimate objects, but they are like... 100% 100% fleshed out characters and just some of the emotions that they can get out of these puppets is just amazing. Yeah. Like a, a couple of times I've watched it and my kids have been watching it now because they're on Disney and my youngest is obsessed with the Swedish chef. And for me, the Swedish chef is, is one of the great characters because he has the human hands that are sticking out through the suit sort of thing. And then they're controlling the rest of the body and just the realism in it and the fact that he is just a fully fleshed out character. But yeah. Yeah. And, and back to the puppets, they are all Muppets to be on brand. A lot of them are left-handed, depending on the type of Muppet they are. So there is generally a hand operating the head and a mouth. And then there is another yep. hand either. Sometimes they use real hands like the Swedish chef 
or there's, and Rolf the pianist. Yep, or there's others where they'll so there'll be one hand, so they'll be left-handed a lot of them up at characters if they've got human hand at some point, and and other times there'll be two people puppeteering it if that's the way it is and the person controlling the mouth is the person doing the voice and when they come up with new characters they would give all, all the different puppeteers a, a a round with it essentially for a couple of weeks just to see who would sort of synergize with it the most and sort of get the character in it and all this sort of stuff so it's i mean yeah. maybe it was you know the drug net 70s and 60s then these people were all hippies and stuff like that really getting rewrite into the but, characters i don't know it, it they really there was something magical about this. Like you look at it and feel yep. it. You felt there was something special. You know, these people were not phoning anything in, like the characterization. And that's why, I mean, going on, and I know it's a tangent, but so Jim Henson is the main guy, main creator of all this yep. sort of stuff. And probably the second most famous puppeteer coming out of that would be Frank Oz. And there were a majority of the characters for that and Sesame Street characters. But the fact that, you know, something like Yoda on Star Wars, which was done by Frank Oz. Exactly. Yeah. And why? Because it is it's feels like a fleshed out character. It's a puppet, but you don't question it for a second. You know it's a puppet, but it's got so much character and life and personality because these people are so good at their job. Yep. I didn't realise early on that how tied in with Disney they were either though, but um I, I think it was probably mid eighties where Jim Henson sold it off to Disney. Well, they sold parts, not the whole thing. They just sold like distribution yep. rights and that sort of thing. So they sort of had partnerships essentially. But it wasn't until yep. 91 that Disney bought the whole shebang. Which would have been just after Jim Henson died and yep. Brian, his son, took over the rights to it. So, yeah. yeah. And I can remember seeing an iconic picture of back of the time when Jim Henson did die. Mm. And it was a, a picture of like Kermit sitting down all forlorn looking yeah. and Mickey Mouse standing behind him, patting him on the back. And I think that is such an iconic picture. And I, I'm tearing up now just thinking about it. It was so sad. And it just works, doesn't it? Mm. All right. Well, we've, we've probably gone off target a little bit already, but. Um, well, well, again, when you look at the, the Muppet show itself, it, like you said, it was a vaudeville show. So they were at the, had many different names, but the Muppet Theatre. So it was a live theatre setting. It was meant to be a live theatre stage, you know, with the stage and everything and the balcony up in the, and so Kermit is the host and the yep. showrunner. So you would have the show itself where it was, yep. you saw skits and performances that were performed on the stage, but also you got to look behind the scenes backstage. So you've got, all the, all the shenanigans that are going on backstage as well as on the stage yep. itself. And in the audience, there's a balcony and there's two old grumpy bastards, Statler and Waldorf. Who are great characters. And they would just heckle the show. Why they turned up every week to watch a show they hated, I have no idea. I think they secretly liked it. I think they did too. Yeah. So essentially the show would always start with Scooter coming in saying, 15 minutes to curtain. Well, you say always, but that was only a couple of the seasons actually. It oh, went really? On- yeah, and later on they had like an old an old dude that would sit there and be like the doorman of the um of the theater that would introduce the guests as they were coming in. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. they would they would introduce sort of outside of the show you would get an introduction to the guest star of the week and they were big names. They were guest stars were generally big ass names of the time. So they would be yep. on the show. So they would introduce this guest and the guest would come on and they would talk about 
the show. It was sort of like a, almost a cold open. Then you would get the show introduced, which was always big in the song and dance number with all the characters. It seemed to get bigger yep. and bigger every season. And then you would get the show would play out. So there would be a bunch of sketches and skits and performances and sometimes a running storyline or gag throughout the show, depending on the guests. That might work yep. in the backstage department. There's someone's got a bomb and it's like, is it going to go off? And it's back and forth and or something's gone missing and they're looking for whatever. So that was the premise of the show. So it was a bunch of sketches and performances with interconnecting yep. bits backstage or shenanigans going on. Yeah, and some of those sketches, they would continue each episode. There would be a different version of the sketch. So we had, in the early seasons, you had veterinarian hospital, which was Ralph like being, the, hospital. Yeah, being the doctor. And then that evolved into pigs in space in some of the later episodes. Plus you had the news guy would always cut to his like Muppet news desk and he would have his little bit. Obviously that the Swedish smiling. chef was in it. No, Guy Smiley was only on Sesame Street, so I'm not oh, sure what the, the news guy's name is. Yeah, okay. yeah, but yeah, there were there were ongoing skits. Like in the early seasons, they used to do this one where they would have like a ballroom scene and they would have couples dancing and each one of the couples would do like a very obvious punny type joke and then they'd sort of pan the camera around to the next lot of Muppets and the next one would sort of do an equally bad joke sort of thing. And but I think that I, reminds me very much of Laughing. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you ever watch that show from the 60s? I think yeah. it's on Amazon Prime, actually, if you want to watch it. Goldie Horn. Okay. Very young Goldie mm. Horn in that. And that had a section like that where I think it was a lot of people dancing in a club or something like that. And it would be gag, move to another couple, another gag, 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 move along. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah. So getting back to the rest of the characters. So you had, obviously, Kermit. Scooter was like his gopher that ran around backstage and did things. Yeah. You had Fozzie Bear that was the very bad comedian who was also performed by Frank Oz. Miss Piggy's probably the other fairly well-known character. Mm-hmm. So she was the singing diva pig that was obsessed with Kermit. And I think they did have a bit of a romance as the, you know, the I think the, they got married um, in the one of the movies. I, yeah, as as the follow on of Muppets in general, they became more of a couple, I guess, as it went along. Uh, you had Gonzo, or the great Gonzo, who I think was a chicken hawk, and he was kind of like the crazy stuntman that did. Is he an alien? I don't know. But he was obsessed with chickens. I don't know what that's all about, but he was just this weird, well, they call him Gonzo the Weirdo, and he just did stunts, like crazy things. Like he would ride a motorbike across a, a tightrope or yeah, jump off a ladder into a pool of water and things would normally go wrong for Gonzo. Mm-hmm. And that was his stick. You had Rolf the dog, who was the piano player. And then you had the the band themselves, which was the, Dr. Electric, Teeth mayhem. And the electric Mayhem. And they were all based off real musicians. So Janice was Janice Joplin. Dr. Teeth was based on Dr. John. Animal mm-hmm. was based off the, uh, the drummer from The Who. Was it Keith Moon? Yes. <laughs> And, and there Floyd was, is Dizzy Gillespie or someone like that, wasn't it? One of the jazz. Uh, no, Floyd's the guitarist. And I can't remember who he was based on. Was it Pink Floyd maybe? I'm not sure. But yeah, so there was Floyd the guitarist and there was Zoot was the saxophone player. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, they were like kind of like the house band that would always do the rockin' numbers. And you had ongoing characters as well. Sam the Eagle that was always the, the, the voice of reason that didn't want debauchery on his show and Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and his assistant Beaker would do the science experiment. So yeah, yeah, it was very much a ensemble cast. Not every character was in every episode, but most of the main ones were in each, each one. 
And yeah, they would play off the guest star of the day. And looking back at it now, because as I said, I have gone back and watched quite a lot of these on Disney. In that first season, there was a lot of obviously 70s people that I don't remember who they were. There's a lot of names that I look at and go, no, I don't know who that was. I think a couple of the standout names that I did know, Sandy Duncan was in one of the very early episodes. Jim Neighbors, who was Governor Pyle, was in another one. And he was actually quite a good singer, and I didn't realize that. Yes, I mean, he played a caricature in the fact that when he played Gomer Pyle, but yeah, he had um, quite the talent and made a shitload of money with peanuts or something stupid in Hawaii in the end. Okay. But yeah, as the show progressed, the caliber of the guest stars obviously got a lot bigger. They they branched out. They had comedians. They had musicians. They had actors. Well, they, they were really struggling, not struggling at the start, but they were sort of putting a call out saying, who would come on this show? And yeah. it wasn't. And Rudolf Nureyev, the incredibly famous probably the most famous ballet dancer mm. he actually put the call to them saying i want to be on the show and it sort of made it a cool place to go and then people wanted to be on the show that was the difference like we talked about the last episode of the love boat how it was chock full of guest stars yeah but it was either current tv or x big name stars it was no big name stars went on the love boat because they were big it was they no. used to be somebody once or they were sort of TV people. But this, but the Muppet Show was a bit opposite in the fact that it was actually really cool and big names did actually want to be on it. So, yeah, they got the quite the roster of um, guest stars over the five seasons. Mm. Now, is there any that you would say is standout episodes from what you remember? Uh, I haven't gone back and rewatched any, so I can't say. The only, I mean, I've seen clips from memory, so I don't remember from the time. But I, yeah. I d- definitely remember the Star Wars episode because it yeah. was it was filmed in England because he actually tried, like I said, he tried to get the show off the ground a few times and America did not understand. They didn't want it. But an English production company did, ITV, I think. Yes. So it was filmed in England. Yeah. And, yeah, so it's a very English show in that way. And, obviously, Frank Oz was doing Yoda in Empire Strikes Back in Pinewood Studios in London. So it was it wasn't that hard to get Chewbacca and R2D2 yep. and C3PO and Luke Skywalker or Mark Hamill. He he yes. was actually on the show as Mark Hamill and he played Luke Mark Skywalker. Mark Hamill and as Luke Skywalker, yep. Yeah, so I remember that one. That is the most vivid memory of anything as far as guest stars go. Yep. Seeing Debbie Harry, yep. just having no idea what's going on. Like, you know how you said all these people are interacting with these Muppets, you know, like yeah. real characters. I don't know if Debbie Harry knew it was going. Yeah, she's see, I can remember watching that. I can remember watching that a little while ago and thinking, man, she must have been on some serious drugs when she did this episode. But going back and watching it now, she's not quite as bad as I remember it. She oh, really okay. gets into it. So, yeah, that was good. Alice Cooper was a standout re-watching them. Yeah. Like, he really played off well against the Muppets because he really is a character himself. But one of the other ones I've rewatched recently and, and got a lot out of was Linda Carter. So Linda Carter, obviously Wonder being herself. Wonder Woman, but she could really sing. And after I watched this episode, I went and like did a bit of wikiing about Linda Carter. And apparently because she did so well singing on The Muppet Show, she actually got a couple of TV specials herself doing variety shows where she would sing. And then a little bit later in the early 80s, she actually released a couple of albums. So who knew that she was a singer when she was when she was there? But it was really just because of her being on The Muppet Show that you know she sang so well that people took notice. Okay. But well, as I said, they... 
now that it's on Disney, it does have a disclaimer at the start. So a little warning comes up saying, you know, it was, it was another time. And there's a few episodes that we've gone back and watched and you look at it and you think to yourself, yes, it really was another time. So Spike Milligan was on an episode and his episode was the showcase of the internationals or something, I think they called it. And just the sort of casual racism that they throw in there, there's, there's a number where they do a Japanese dancing number and it's very much stereotypical Japanese, almost ninja type samurai type guys dancing around. And Spike Milligan then comes up and pretends he's Indian in one stage and does this weird Indian accent. And just some of the stuff you look at and go, yes, that wouldn't fly now. That's very uh, on the nose, I guess, from looking at in 2021 eyes. But Mm -hmm. people did things differently back in the 70s. And I I think that the John Cleese episode sort of skirted that slightly risque very much at the time he would have been doing Faulty Towers. And this is very much Basil Faulty, John Cleese. And reading it now on the wiki, apparently he co-wrote a lot of the stuff that he did for the episode. So that kind of makes sense that it is very much his style of very physical comedy. But also this time, I mean, you're saying it was a different time. I think the black and white minstrel show would have been still being filmed in England around this time, early 70s. So but the black and white minstrel show ran for decades, didn't it? Yes, but I still think it would have almost been close to still running. So, yeah, it, um, definitely a different time in that way. Yeah, but there, there was one episode where there was a dude called Roy Clark who I didn't know who he was, but apparently he was quite a big country music singer at the time. But he sang a song called Sally Was a Good Old Girl, and he pre- pretty much sings a song about a prostitute. And it's kind of like, well, this makes you realise that it's not a kid's show. It was an adult show with puppets. Because, show. yeah, exactly. But he, he doesn't... Yeah, he he doesn't um, sugarcoat this song at all. And then there was another episode a, a little bit later, I think it was in season five, where Johnny Cash was on. So Johnny Cash, obviously known as being like the bad boy of country, but he comes out and he sings a song called That Old Egg Sucking Dog and Rolf's on the piano. And every time he talks about this dog, Rolf gets all upset because he's heard about the dog. But one of the lines in it is, if your, if your dog comes around here, I'm going to stomp his head into the ground sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, that's... Not exactly for kids either. But in that same Johnny Cash episode, he sings Ghost Riders in the Sky. And he's in this sort of barn set up with Confederate flags behind him, which, you know, at the time it was okay. But nowadays, Confederate flags aren't really a done thing. But he has Muppets dance around him on horseback wearing sheets because they're ghosts. But they look very much like KKK Ku Klux Klan sort of guys. And they're running around with their sheets on their head with Confederate flags in the background. And it's like... Very much was a different time. But yeah. Mm. But I so, guess even the Swedish chef doesn't stand up now when you think about it because it is a stereotype against foreign people. But as kids, we love the Swedish they, chef. They probably hate it. The, the Swedish people probably do. Yes. <laughs> everyone talks about them going, mm. so do you have a favorite character from the Muppets? See, I really like Rolf. I just love Rolf's humour. The fact that Rolf gets a lot of laughs, but he's not really known as being a comedic character. He's more of a musician, but occasionally he will just drop a line that just cracks me up. So yeah, Rolf's probably my favourite. What about yourself? I always liked Fuzzy growing up. I don't know why. And I love the visual of Sammy Eagle. But yeah, I think it'd have to be Fuzzy. And I I honestly don't know why. And Statler and Waldorf, probably now as an adult, their lines are probably what I like the most. Yep. Oh, I, oh, actually, I did like um, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker. But now I think I was, I'd was i be frustrated watching it because it's all... 
I know where it's going and it's frustrating. But yeah, I did but like it, them. It's all just sight gags though, really, isn't it? It's Bunsen Honeydew talking about how he's made some new invention and then that invention invention backfires and hurts Beaker. As far as incidental characters, I really like Sweetums because he's one of the big characters that's obviously a dude in a suit, like yeah. the, the big monster with the sort of raggedy clothes and the big lips. Yeah. But there's a, there's a few episodes, especially when they have dancers on rather than singers, where he dances with the dancer. And, and for a dude in a suit, he can really move. So, yeah, I, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Sweetums as well. Now, as, a, as like the love boat, it had quite the list of notable guests. Uh, so I've got a bit of a list here. I'm going to read off like last week's episode. So... Mm. Uh, Milton Burl gets a Guernsey again, but you didn't see a massive cock in this, but he was there. No. Victor Borger. So he was a piano player comedian, wasn't he? Correct. From Denmark, who is the mm. most frustrating thing to watch in the world. Have you ever seen him? I think I've seen his episode of The Muppets, but I don't okay. think I've seen any of his acting. Yeah. So what he does is he does comedy with the piano. So he's ridiculously talented, but he will do things like play music. That's not. He'll stop. It's like, it's not sounding right. Oh, and he'll turn the music upside down. I was like, oh, it was upside down. You'll play it properly. But you'll get distracted and he'll never finish anything. It's so fucking frustrating. It's constantly starting something, gag, something else, and you, you just want him to finish one. It's so fucking annoying. But yeah, the, yeah. he's very talented, but yeah, frustrating. Uh, C3PO and R2D2 have talked about. Johnny Cash, you mentioned. Linda Cardi yeah. also mentioned. James Coburn, one of the tough guys of old Hollywood. Yes. John Cleese, Alice Cooper, Dom DeLuise, classic. Go back to our Cannonball Run episodes if you wanted to hear about him. John Denver, that's quite famous, him singing with the Muppets. Yeah, well, he actually had his own special that was John Denver and the Muppets as well. So he got a bit of a spin-off from the Muppets. Debbie Harry, Blondie herself was on there. Florence Henderson, to go back to the most capped Love Boat guest star, also was on there. Bob Hope, Mr. Entertainment Machine. Elton John, who was right in his element. So it was a kind of a strange selection of songs for Elton John to be playing, but I guess it was January 1978 when they did this episode. But he did Crocodile Rock with a group of Muppet crocodiles. He did Benny and the Jets, which I thought was a bit weird because Scooter starts off singing that and then Elton comes in and finishes it off. And then the other one he did was Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Oh, probably his big hits at the time. Oh, actually, and he did Don't Go Breaking My Heart with Miss Piggy, which was kind of cool too. Yes. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, they, they would have been the songs on the album that was out at the, when, when this was filmed. So yeah. Yep. We also had Gene Kelly, you know, Mr. Singing in the Rain himself, Danny yep. Kay, Entertainment Machine and Notorious Arsehole. It wasn't a great episode. I watched that the other day. Really? Well, yeah. Yeah. Arsehole. Don Knotts, Boggly Eyes himself. Harvey yep. Corman, you know, a comedian of the 70s, star of the Star Wars holiday special. Yeah. Chris Christopherson. They did like their country singers, didn't they? Well, Chris Christopherson was on with his wife at the time as well. It was like one of the few episodes where they had two guests at the same time. Her name's Rita Coolidge, and she was by far the talent of the day. Like Chris Christopherson, I think, was probably stoned out of his head when he did it. Okay. But... When Rita Coolidge sang, she was really good. But when Chris Christopherson sang, he wasn't great. Okay. Hmm. Interesting, because he's one of the highwaymen. Yes, he is. And great, by all accounts, further on in his career. But obviously in the 70s, he was struggling a little bit when he was on the Muppets. Okay. Uh, Liberace. Famous for being the timekeeper at WrestleMania 1. Yes, Steve Martin. Now, he would have been at the peak of his comedy heights as a stand comic before he was like the actor and making things like the jerk. Spike Milligan, you mentioned Liza Minnelli, Academy Award winner. 
Dudley yep. Moore, Rita Moreno. Now, that name would mean nothing to me generally, except I, I recognize her name now because I used to watch a show called Oz, a HBO series set in a male prison, which is depressing as hell. And she played yep. the nut. The okay. Nut in the show and i thought she was great i thought everyone in the show was great and then i read up on her like so oh she was maria in the west side story hmm. and got an academy award and now she's doing this hbo show didn't do much in between but apparently she was nominated for an emmy for her for this episode that she was in the muppet show okay so on your rating vincent price you know iconic horror actor vincent price was also in the love boat too tony randall who is one of the odd couple and from one of my favourite films, The Seven Faces of Dr. Lau. And also a notorious asshole as well. Christopher Reeve, Superman himself, Kenny Rogers, Leo Sayer, Peter Sellers, who actually didn't turn up as Peter Sellers, only as characters in the show. Um, mm. Brooke Shields, Sylvester Stallone, Loretta Swit, Hot Lips Hullahan again, she was in Love Boat. Twiggy. The first supermodel, wasn't she, Twiggy? Pretty much. Peter Ustinoff, Raquel Welch, Paul Williams, who is also famous for writing The Rainbow Connection and his little Enos from Smoking the Bandit. And last yep. of all, Jonathan Winters, who is a improv comedy legend. And probably I first came to know him, even though he'd been around forever by that point. He was Mork and um, Mindy's son. In, oh, um, the, the big Mindy. dude that was in the eggshell. Hmm. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, so... He's a classic. Oh, that's what I know him as and thought he was great, but he's actually got a, a much more storied career outside of that side of thing. But yeah, so that's just a short list of people that I just looked at them going, yeah, their names that I made it to me, but, you know, times that by four and that's how many guests are they've had on the show. Exactly, yeah. So as I said, we, we weren't going to go too far into the whole oeuvre of the Muppets, but you can't really talk about the Muppet show without talking about the original Muppet movie. So yeah. obviously in the, the height of its success back in the late 70s they did make the first full-length feature film i think that was 1978 that they made the muppet movie 78 79 something like that yeah and i can remember watching that as a kid and just being absolutely blown away by the fact that kermit could ride a bicycle i know i still freak out when i walk at it and there will be times in my life when the song that he and fozzy sing moving right along just pops in my head for no reason Probably at least once a month that that just still <laughs> pops into my head. And, you know, all my years of therapy, I still can't get rid of it. <laughs> and if it's not that, it's hard knocked life from Annie. So there's obviously something going wrong in my brain sometimes. But yeah. yeah definitely something. Yep. Cool. Well, that's the Muppets. That was fun. Like uh, being on Disney Plus is something I should make the time to go back and watch, maybe introduce it to my kids. But yeah, because I don't, I can't stand Sesame Street anymore. I don't know if I used to like it or I just tolerated it, but I cannot tolerate it anymore. Like whenever we, no. my kids watch a lot of ABC Kids and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Watch whatever. Play school's fine. I really don't like Bananas in Pajamas anymore. But whenever Bananas in Pajamas or Sesame Street come on, it's like, that's it. TV's off. Find TV's something off. else to watch. Whatever. I just cannot stand it. I don't know what it is. The voices so high-pitched and squealy. I don't know. I just cannot stand mm. it anymore because it's all Elmo and Abby Cadabby and all this stuff. And it was just like, no. Yeah. Done. Yeah, it's, it's funny because obviously the newer seasons of the Muppets came onto Disney before this original did. And I can remember last year watching the first of the newest season of the Muppets and it was all of the Muppets in lockdown talking to each other over Zoom and it was kind of like, no, nah, I don't know if I really like this. And I, I don't know if we encouraged our kids to go back and watch it, but just somewhere out of nowhere, they came to us and went, oh, we've been watching The Muppets on Disney. You should watch some. And I was like, man, I used to love The Muppets when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And it is that 
wholesome sort of stuff that you, know, you sit down, eat dinner with your kids, and then it's a couple of hours before they go to bed, and they're like, oh, can we watch a couple of Muppets episodes? And they've been really getting into it. And my oldest boy is a bit of an old soul as far as his music tastes go. He really likes the Beatles, and they do actually sing quite a few Beatles songs back in the early days of the Muppets as well. So he's really digging the music. They're both digging the sort of the humor of it all and the, and the bad jokes that Fozzie does and just the quips that Statler and Mordoff come up with when they're, they're heckling Fozzie. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, it is almost timeless, I guess, in its humor. The fact that some of the jokes still hit 100% now. You can watch them now and think to yourself, yep, that is as funny now as it was in the late 70s when it first went on air. But yeah, conversely, some of it is, it was a different time. And you look at it now and think, yeah, that just doesn't hold up. But I'm, I'm glad that Disney have it. I'm glad that they haven't fallen into that whole cancel culture and they've taken episodes out or they've edited any of the episodes. They're quite obviously sitting there going, yes, this was made a long time ago. Some of it's not politically correct anymore, but this is it in all its glory. Take it for what it is. And I salute Disney for doing that because, yeah, it's it's worth watching. But they still won't put up Song of the South. Who knew? Anyway. Mm, yeah, I very much doubt you'll see Song of the South ever on Disney+. Plus. No. All right. On that note, that's probably a nice place for us to wrap up The Muppet Show. So if you want to tell us what your favorite episode was or who your favorite Muppet is, who your favorite guest star was, you can jump on our socials. We are facebook.com slash The Massive Attack Podcast. We are The MA Podcast on Twitter. And you can find us on our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. So until next time, when we come back with the letter N, thank you very much, Mitch. No worries. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. threw eggs at him, he said, laugh it up, these are the yolks, folks. Ah. Ah. To introduce Miss Piggy, that's what I'm here to do, so it really makes her happy to introduce to you, the indescribable, the incompatible, the unendurable Miss Piggy! Kermie, how did you describe me? Uh, indescribable. Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, I can't remember. Well, remember this! Hi-ya! Drummer, Animal! Yeah, Greg Rattard! Hey, no, Animal, not this one! Get things started on the most sensational 